0: Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. And today I wanted to discuss the spirit of Nimrod. And not just the spirit of Nimrod, but the um, mystery Babylon and the spirit of Nimrod. So there's a mysterious spirit at work in the world today. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 7 calls it the mystery of iniquity. And as we know, the word mystery means secret or hidden. Something that is not easily accessible or, or, or visible in plain view. Now, it seems to me, and I'm sure you all could feel it. I mean, it's almost like an energy or, or um, a feeling that's just in the air. It's as if common sense and decency are being turned upside down. An ever-present um, overshadowing, seducing spirit of evil, if you will, is like creeping upon us. So it's like nowadays, everywhere you look, good is being considered bad and bad is being considered good, which reminds me um, of a scripture and I want to share it um, with everyone because in the past few years, if, I've always like tried to keep scriptures on, either on, poll, on um, index cards And have like on one side, I'll say the verse, and on the other side, it's the actual scripture. But Isaiah 5 and 20, and I like to use the King James Version. So that says, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter and to me like that's just pretty much like the direction that the world is going in and in a very fast pace. It's a very very strong blurring or blurred lines out there of what is considered right and what is considered wrong. You know, and um that's just something that prevails in every avenue of society. Um it's even invaded the assemblies of the church that proclaim these, you know, so-called truth. So it's very similar to the Great Sin of Laodicea, that's in uh, Revelation, one of the seven churches that the Lord um, confronts or convicts. And the seven church, the seven stars or whatever is supposed to represent the seven continents. But specifically in Laodicea, forgive me if I'm pronouncing it wrong, the sin was not so much that um, she, the church, was, luke, was um, lukewarm. But they were lukewarm. But it was the fact that her eyes were blurred. So much so that she could not see her lukewarmness. Okay, so I just wanted to read about that from Revelation. I'll be reading from Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 22. So again, that's um Revelation um, verse, chapter 3, verse 14 through 22. And I have the King James Version, so... It says here, um, to the to the church uh, at Laodicea, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. An angel just simply means messenger. So, and unto the messenger of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich. And increase with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Okay, it says I counsel thee, and this is this is the these words are in red. Okay, so these are the words of the Lord. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and have white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. This is all in the spiritual sense. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. Unto the churches. The word of the Lord is already blessed. It may be a blessing to those who hear it. So that's what I feel the world is like today. We're pretty much in a state of lukewarmness, and um, the warmness could also be described as being indifferent. Okay, we are approaching the midnight hour. The midnight hour is at hand, and Yeshua, for those of you, let's like refer to him as Jesus. Um, the savior of mankind will be coming back soon. Okay. Now, what's interesting before I continue about the three religions that all were started by Father Abraham that I mentioned briefly in the other two episodes. If you were able to listen to those episodes, God bless you, and if you came back for another one, um, thank you so much, humbly from the bottom of my heart. But I mentioned that um, Father Abraham is the founder of the three major religions. Now, all three religions do hint at some kind of a savior. Now, the Jewish Uh, the so-called Jewish people of this time, because remember, a lot of things have been turned upside down in this world to be debated, do not want to accept the New Testament portion of, um, say, the Catholic or the Christian Bible, so to speak. Okay, So they do not um, believe on Yeshua, and they do not believe on his virgin birth or anything of that nature. I think he probably was just a a regular man or he didn't exist at all. And then you have, very interestingly enough, even the Islamic people, they do believe that Yeshua will be back to fight. They also say peace be unto him and all these high honors when they speak about him, but they think that he's one of the greatest of the greatest of the greatest prophets. But at the same time, they'll still hold, uh, you know, I guess, what it was it, the, I want uh, to say, Muhammad? Or, or I can't remember. I can't remember where the founder is, and please forgive me. But my point is, they'll look at him as as uh, being the final say all word. But you know, we know Yeshua was the final say all word. So when they look at it, they deny the virgin birth. They believe that he was um Joseph's son, you know um physical birth. So that goes back to what I was saying before in the previous episode about um how the Lord was very clear that all manner of sin will be forgiven of men except for blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. So he said, anything that you say against me, the Son of Man, you know, it'll be forgiven of you, but anything that you say against it. And I I was using that specifically as one of the many ways that you could blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to not believe in the virgin birth of Christ. But with that being said... And we're all looking for this for our savior so all three religions say a savior's going to come back all, like i said it just seems to me like where all of them seem to get lost at it seemed like with us um with with who, jesus christ he is the most controversial figure and rightfully so you know of all time the more you learn about him and i will i will go into full depth because this is a journey it's not a destination the more you'll grow to be fascinated and be in love with a man and, um, you know, how humble is he? You know what I'm saying? He's just like, you know, so precious, precious lamb. But if you just um think about him in the full magnitude of him, even how he is literally in the Old Testament, into the New Testament as a pre-incarnated Christ on and all the ways that he just always have been here. You know what I mean? It's not just something that he just showed up in the New Testament as just this thing. Um, You'll just fall in love with the story. But today we're talking about Nimrod and the Mystery of Babylon, so, um, like I was saying before, we are approaching the midnight hour, and Yeshua will be coming back soon. So, God has a people on earth, you know, He has His chosen people because He made a pact with Abraham, who He called His friend. Abraham was the only person in the Bible that He specifically referred to as friend. And you have to remember that God and Abraham always had this special relationship because not only did um, Abraham be the first one to venture out and say there is one God and that everybody should um, stop, but also when it came down to sacrificing his firstborn son, Isaac, he did it without a question of a shadow of a doubt. He just believed on God and just knew with all his heart that um, something good was going to happen, and so he did that. He was willing to sacrifice his son at the moment's notice because the Lord asked him to do so, and what happened? When he was getting ready to do so, um, there was a ram in the bush. God put a ram in the bush, and in he said, no, there's an angel that came and said, no, you do not have to sacrifice him. Um, you know, there's a ram in the bush, and God is pleased. And so because of that, you have to remember the only other person in history who was only God, have given his only begotten son to us. You know what I'm saying? His most precious, perfect, spotless, without a blemish on him as far as um, sin or anything of that nature. He's the only one who sacrificed his son for the for mankind. The only other person who was close to, or came close to doing anything like that was Abraham. You see, so Abraham already had a heart like God. So Abraham trusted God enough that he, would, he was going to, even though God never meant for him to do. He just wanted to see, would you trust me enough? And he did. So now when he promised them that everything that he do till this day for the children of Israel, as scattered as they are, abroad and for the Gentiles who have been adopted on to the new covenant or whatever is because of the promise that he made to that man had not Abraham done what he did that's why I don't understand why people don't honor him a little bit more than they do you know what I mean everybody's jumping around Jesus as well but you're supposed to honor the ancestors you're supposed to honor the prophets is because had he not did that made that sacrifice for us or to come in and have that faith for us we would not have that blessing or that promise for God to even care enough to give us a way back to send Jesus to die on the cross, well, I sins, you know, and then go down under the three days and 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 talk to hell and death. He was in a pit of death for three days, preaching the gospel, releasing souls, and giving up because before that there was no bridge. So everything that had died before that was dead. What are you talking about? There was nothing. Like, there was nothing to go back to. Three days he did that, and then he came back and rose up on the cross. Okay, came I mean rose up and went and sent it to heaven, sitting at the right hand. Okay, so. This is why Abraham is like so um such an important person. But now we're going to talk about God's people on earth, like he said, these people um his chosen and his new adopted gentiles. We do not have the blinders over our um our eyes. We did not have the blinders placed on us. And because of that Uh, we're able to see, and we are also referred to as the body of Christ or his bride, okay? So even though we are bewildered by the changes that are now, and the attitudes that are now happening and occurring in society, um, we're still keeping our vision and focus set on the straight and narrow path as best as we can, because we're humans and we're flawed. We're not perfect. You know, that's the other thing that people seem to think of us is that we're just perfect people. No, we're not. Or just you know, we just uh, set our eyes on things above. And so, um, for us there is no blurring. There is no blurring to the true child of God. Our direction is clear because we know that uh greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. And if and that scripture can be found in um John um First John 4 and 4. So now, again, Mystery um, Babylon, religion. I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to discuss, again, Mystery Babylon and the spirit of Nimrod. Um, see you in a few. Now we're back from break and i am continuing on with the mystery of babylon but really i think i'm just going to call this episode um nimrod returns mystery babylon and the spirit of nimrod so um i wanted to try to go back as much and cover as much as i can because it's such a broad topic and i'll probably revisit it more than one time but babylon has its roots in the book of genesis aka the book of the beginnings It is one of the earliest societies of mankind, um, and was just about in the same area that the first civilizations, um, like Mesopotamia, which was in the Fertile Crescent, um, in modern-day Iraq. That's where um, the earliest societies of mankind was, and that's where Babylon was as well. So its path continues, though, not just through um, Genesis, but it continues through centuries, and is also found in the Book of Revelation at the end and the demise of mankind's or as the the end of the demise as mankind's, um, as, uh, well, I guess you could say, history on earth. So Babylon was founded by a man named Nimrod, which is why we're talking about um, Babylon because we're talking about Nimrod. And Babylon is more than just a city in the Bible, it is also a spirit, okay? As I mentioned um, in the previous segment, that there's a mysterious spirit in the world today that's at work. And I mentioned that Second Thessalonians 2 and 7 calls this spirit a mystery of in- iniquity. You know, there is a mystery going on, and there's a lot of mysteries, but one is mystery Babylon. You know, one that one that people or these um, ancient um, mystery religions as well, which both go hand in hand. So the spirit of Babylon is, like I said, is at work. It is also considered the spirit of Nimrod. It is also just considered the spirit of rebellion because it is a rebellion. It is a rebellion against all that is good, a rebellion against God himself, so to speak. It is a promotion of self-glory, a narcissistic elevation of one's own work. I guess you could call it like a god complex. Um, even people that walk around here with the, the black Egyptians, I'm going to talk about them a lot because I'm going to do an episode soon. I'm hoping hoping to end up before the end of the week about um children of Israel versus black Egyptians, and with you know documented with the books that I have, I'll refer to them. I'm always going to try to refer to as much sources as I can, so that um not only am I um. Sparking thought provocation or some people to to think and wonder and hmm and maybe do a Google search, but also that um, you know, if if you just think I'm making it up off the top of my head, you can at least understand or respect where I, I that I got it from somewhere. You know what I mean? That I'm not just pulling it out of the air, so to speak. So. Yeah, it's a spirit of self glory. And this god complex thing with, like I said, black Egyptians is kind of like with the, you know, I'm a god, I'm a goddess, so to speak. So, this is the same lie that the serpent has been selling mankind since the garden, though. If you think about it, you know, you you know, you hear it, you know, you see people running around here talking about I am my own goddess, I'm my own mom, you know, I'm in control of my universe as far as they're concerned. There's they have a, their universe that they have of their own. They're in the control of it. They're in the center of it, um, and they. Anything the good that happens to them is because of some kind of god, like goddess energy or, or god energy. And, and you have to remember they're using it with a little g. God with a little g just means like a demon. So anyway, it is a spirit of enslavement. The spirit of Babylon is like a desire to inflict others with the same corrupt methods, practices, thoughts, beliefs, etc. as has been inflicted on one's own self if you were the one that's doing the inflicting. So in other words, Misery Loves Company. So they are not content in being corrupted alone. So they know what they've done. You know, they know what they, it's um, like I'd say, you, you know, you, you may have been now lying. They you know what the end result is going to be. A lot of them know that they cannot undo what they've done, so to speak. So it's kind of like Misery Loves Company. So they're just trying to get everybody to come on over and and, and so unknowingly, though. See, unknowingly. But yet willingly, that's what the what's that's what's so subtle about it is just like the serpent, because unknowingly, they're tricking you subtly, but willingly. And you're you're um, feeding into it and you're, and you're just um, put so by the time it's too late, though, it's kind of like, yeah, they tricked you. But at the same time, you willingly led yourself to the slaughter. So, um, I mean, if you want to talk about rebellion or if you want to talk about the root of rebellion, we have to start with um Satan. Okay, we we have to start with uh, Lucifer because he is the I want to say guys I want to say the first one to repel. So I did have some. So okay, now again, Lucifer is like the progenitor of sin. Okay, and who I mean or Satan. So Isaiah, the prophet, depicts how Lucifer desired to be equal to God, right? And he says, "Oh, this is um." Isaiah, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds i will be like the most high this is isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 14. now it's very clear here that the earliest desire of satan aka lucifer was to clearly build himself up higher than he was qualified to be this rebellion is What caused him to be expelled from heaven? There was a great war in heaven, and this was the reason. Now, why they always say that this was the reason, people need to understand that it wasn't just I want to be greater, it's because he thought the creation of Adam that uh, all the angels and God's uh, heavenly, um, I guess you could say army, um, bow down and worship God and said, Oh my god, how wonderful! You know, this creation called Adam, this thing called the world, like you know, it's great. But he starts to say to him, Well, you know why is it that you gave this mere more he's he's a human being as far as he's not greater than me or us or definitely not greater than me in the sense that he's mortal and right now he can die he's not even immortal second of all you give him a whole i mean could you imagine being alone on this whole earth with when it was all peaceful and calm and everything was like paradise it's all yours he gave it to him as a gift that is amazing i mean it's one thing for somebody to you know how they say um um i'll give you the world somebody says to you um I'll show you the world. I'll give you the world. Like, um, if I had it, I would give it to you the entire world. He literally gave Adam an an entire world. You know, you got to think about how big and how deep that is. So of course I'll serve some jealousy, but not amongst the good angels and the ones that wanted to stay. They thought that was magnificent. They thought it was great. But, um, the devil himself did not think so. And he also said, you know, um, Basically, how could Adam get it before me? You know, so there was a kind of like a cocky arrogance over it. And not only that, Adam isn't that even that great of a creation. I could have done better. As a matter of fact, I could be better. And that's how it started to escalate up, up, up to the final damning, um, you know, um, um, thing that he uttered out of his mouth. Which was like, basically, I will be like the most high. I want to be and I can be better. You know, I can do better. This is crap, basically. It was just, it was just this, this attitude. And of course, that was unacceptable. But this is God's heart. God's heart has always been like that. The same way he gave Adam the whole world, you understand? It's the same way because um, the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Yeshua Mashiach, or Jesus, whatever you want to call him, because he died and he did everything he was supposed to do, perfectly to the T, Um, gave up the ghost on the cross, you know, rose up after the third day, rose into heaven, ascended at the right hand of the Father. This is why now he he did the same thing he did for Adam to to Yeshua to Jesus but on a grander level now you can rule and you can reign it is no different that's the that's the mindset of our god you understand of course he has the power and he is all this and all this but he's not that kind of cocky guy that everybody seems to to to, to play him out to be he gave adam a whole world a mere human being and it could, all things could have been great for him but unfortunately we were tricked we were tricked by um Satan when he fell because as soon as he fell and the the only difference between the fallen him and his one-third the the army that left with him that rebelled against God they can never go back you know when Jesus died and shed blood for sins he did not shed blood for their sins it was for us because then we got caught up in the middle of the fight that's what people seem to understand we got caught up in the middle of the fight the fight is about us at the end of the day so every day we are dealing with not only the devil and his one-third but then also the offspring that they had with the women in uh-huh, Genesis 6, you know, that the, that the, that the sons of, man, of God um, saw the women of earth and thought that they were lovely and beautiful and made it with them and married them and had kids and they called them giants and, and all of that. That is in the book. Okay, some of you know the story and some of you don't. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if God gave Adam the whole world, why wouldn't he give Jesus? That's why some people are like, well, so is Jesus God? No, Jesus is not God. God is God. Jesus is the Son of God. He just gives him full reign and authority, is the same way He gave Adam full reign and told Adam, "Name every beast." You know, that's the kind of God that we serve. So, with Lucifer not being satisfied, um, you know, and and because the rebellion caused him to be expelled from hell, heaven, he was not satisfied to rebel alone. Okay, so his his rebellious spirit or Lucifer's spirit of revolt caused him to corrupt. A good one third you understand because at first it was just him making all this noise, but with all of that talking and talking and talking and talking because what people don 't seem to understand is that every single being and living thing or creature that is that a human being from angels to humans when he correct when he creates us, he gives us all free will. angels as well have free will, there is not one creature created by God as far as a human or an angel that is. Brainwash to serve God or not serve God. Everybody is choosing exactly what to do, where to go as far as you know, and then blaming everybody else and even blaming God for their actions. But the truth of the matter is people are every day single day doing what they want to do, being swayed to the left or swayed to the right, swayed by good or swayed by bad. you understand every day is a battle, and so, like I was saying before, with us being in the middle of this battle, you have the devil the first thing he did as soon as he fell with the one third that he was able to um sway with his rebellious attitude for them to rebel as well they got mad at us because it's like this is all about you they realize what they done they tried to get back in you know in the book of Enoch it says that Enoch was the one that tried to, to, to make petition for them because Enoch walked with God and God took him away so he could show him some things so he could later on write the book or write the book of Enoch which was later released to us for this generation to know the things that were to come and the truth about the watchers and the truth about the fallen angels that came and God said to him no because they messed up the first thing got to them in the book of Enoch is, is, is that note that they messed up. I'll bring that up in, um, in the next segment because I don't really want to quote it. I like to quote things um, properly. I don't like to misquote stuff. But So now what you have here is um, them attacking us, trying to get us to come with them to hell. Because hell was never meant for human beings. The first place hell was ever created for was for the devil and the one-third that left with him. But it's just like I just said a little while ago. Okay, I said, um, going back to my notes. I said that um they are not content in being corrupted alone. Okay, this spirit that's ruling this earth is, is always here. It seeks to entice and slave others who willingly submit to its seduction, and the whole point of it is because misery love company. Okay, they want to corrupt people with the same methods and practices and thoughts and stuff that has that they afflicted themselves with. Okay, and even they know and they want to do it. They have a short time to do it in. Okay, and they also know that, it, that uh, salvation is there for all of us, something that they can't have that they want badly. They don't even look the same. You know, when they manifest in themselves to these occults and these new religions that make them new gods of their religions, they manifest themselves as angels of light. But the Bible says, no wonder, because even the devil himself can transform into an angel of light. The same way the Bible always warns you don't be so quick to talk to people who's just spitting the word of God or saying this that they're godly people because even the devil knows scripture. We know the devil knows scripture because he was able to tempt, uh, try to tempt Jesus uh, when he was doing the fast of 40 days with scripture. He tried to twist the scripture, but the point is he knew it. There's a lot of devils in the pulpit right now that that speak scripture just fine, pray, and they talk just right. But if you listen to them and they read your book, you're going to see they're twisting it. And they're put there for a reason, okay? Now, since misery loves company and Lucifer... Um, was able to corrupt one-third of the angels in heaven. They, too, were casted out, and um, now, now they're demons. Like I said, once angels but now demons, they're bound to do the bidding of the wicked one. And then enslavement basically began from there. So when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in a perfect garden, paradise, called Eden. Okay, And the temptation of Eve by the serpent, we spoke, spoke about that in the introduction of the Bible um, that she could be like God, what she heard was God with a capital G, not understanding that she would be like God with a little G, knowing right and wrong, but still choosing, you know, just manipulating, kind of kind of knowledge It's not really good because you don't apply it for good. Look at man; ever since he got knowledge, the first thing he ran to was weapons and all of that. And I'm going to show you that too when I get to Enoch. I'm going to bring it up in a in a third segment. I hope to remember. <laughs> okay. Anyway. That was the same spirit that caused the rebellion in heaven. So when we talk about rebellion, before we talk to, to talk about Nimrod, we got to talk about Satan and we got to talk about Lucifer, because that was the first rebellion. Okay, this start all started with that, and now it caused mankind to re- to re- to rebel against God, because then they crept that rebellion into the garden and then tried to cause Adam and Eve to rebel so they could fall. So because of um because of because of Adam and Eve's fall, mankind was banished from the garden and was now bound to sin and corruption, and the enslavement continues to this day. So now Nimrod. Now we're going to talk about Nimrod. Okay. Yes. Nimrod would be, I guess you could say, like, the epitome of what a human version of Lucifer's desire was. Okay. That he also wanted to be, I guess you could say, above and better than God. Now, I want to talk about Nimrod before I speak about him. I want to talk about Nimrod in the sense of um, Nimrod returns okay so why would I say that Nimrod returns is because Nimrod is um, by all appearances and through extensive research not of my own but of other people and to clues that are hidden in 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 clear sight as well in the bible is very indicating of the fact that Nimrod will be if if Nimrod is not already here that he will return and this time as the antichrist and I will tell you why but first you should know that the name Nimrod comes from the Hebrew word Marad meaning rebel aka the rebel the rebel so Nimrod may not even be the character's name at all if anything it, it could represent a system that is in rebellion against the true creator the one true creator who is the god of Abraham Isaac and Jacob because rebellion the second rebellion, as you've seen after, I guess you could say, the garden, I wouldn't necessarily say the fall of Adam and Eve was like a a, a, a real rebellion against God because at, in, in all hindsight, they weren't really trying to rebel against God. They broke a commandment, but in their hearts, they weren't saying, yeah, we can be better than God. They just thought, in my honest opinion, that they could be like God, which was good, loving, honest, caring, merciful, Um, you know, um, the kind of omnipotent. Like, they admired God. They knew God was a wonderful thing that could ever happen to them, so that's what they thought so I wouldn't call it a rebellion, but then rebellion came um after the flood, so I wanted to talk about um, post flood here, okay so in Genesis ten chapter ten, like between verses eight and eleven, we learned that Nimrod established a king in a kingdom, okay, and that would have been the first kingdom, and he was technically the first. Empire, emperor after the flood and he's a descendant of Noah as a matter of fact um I believe if I'm not mistaken Cush was his father okay so it was Nimrod who had um who had um who had was the son of Cush so that's how you have the family relation there and then of course Cush was a descendant of Noah So if Nimrod was the first emperor, there would have to have been some kind of literature in the ancient Near East of a person of his type or mannerism, for example, um, or some kind of hinting of him existing in some kind of history books. Well, it's well known that somebody of his caliber or figure was written about in plenty of texts of ancient old, like Sumerian literature of a man who fits his description um, in addition to the Sumerians, I believe the Babylonians, which was his people, wrote about him as a person. The Assyrians as well, um, the Hittites, who's mentioned in the Bible, and even the Palestinian people or tablets have been found um, with this man's name on them. Now, he was worshipped as a popular hero in the Middle East, and then, of course, like he's also attributed to or connected to a lot of other people. So Nimrod is also Gil- Gilgamesh. If you know the, the epic of Gilgamesh, that's the story of, of Nimrod. And also um, Apollyon and Abaddon, which is mentioned in the Bible, is also Nimrod. Now, Apollyon and Abaddon come up in Revelation, which is why they said Babylon is mentioned. I said earlier Babylon is mentioned in Genesis and Babylon is mentioned in um, Revelation. Because once we had, we had Babylon in the beginning... Okay? And then you're going to have Babylon come back towards the end to finish off what they started in the beginning. That's why I said the spirit of Nimrod is going to be returning. Now, we got to talk about the Antichrist. And we're going to be talking about Nimrod. But before we talk about the Antichrist, I want to talk about Nimrod. Now, Nimrod have a very, very narrow. And y'all bear with me, please, because this is such an extensive study. I have, like, all these books open. And I've marked everything down because I want to do it accurately and give you proper proper sightings and stuff. But we're going to talk about, um, I'm going to read about Nimrod in Genesis right now and the Tower of Babel because that's the first time we talk about him. Now, when we're talking about the Tower of Babel, I want us all to understand or look at it this way. I don't know what you believe about the new world order. I don't know what you've heard about it. I don't know if you think it's gonna happen or if you think it, you, it's not gonna happen. But if you're a Bible reader and you're listening to me, you either want some knowledge about something about along this lines, or you read the Bible so you know something about it, or you're looking to read the Bible. If you look at the story of the Tower of Babel and you read it for exactly what it is and exactly what it says, you'll understand that you are literally reading and and hearing the story of. The first new world order or the first attempt at a one world government, a.k.a. new world order. All right. The Bible is not just a book that was put together for nothing. You know, what I mean? there's a lot of this. This whole thing is when you understand it, instead of thinking it's just this the book, but it's, also, you really got to break it down. That's the only thing you got to dedicate your life to almost, you know, to really look in the search for the answers. You got to really want the answers that's going to start to open up, like um, unlock treasure, inside treasure, inside treasure, inside treasure. You're going to realize that it's, it's right there in front of your face the whole time, but not that plain and open sight. It was something that you was going to have to really be seeking for or really be looking for. It's like when he says, seek my face in order to find the truth. So you're going to be looking at the first new world order. So I'm gonna read this, and then I'm gonna find pieces um of, of Nimrod's history and other um documented and credible books, and I'll give you those sources as well, so we can understand the mindset of Nimrod. So you can understand the mindset of this rebellious spirit that that's going on in this earth, and why Nimrod is returning, and why um they could potentially will be bringing him back as the Antichrist, whether or not that makes sense to you or not. And the whole world, this is Genesis 11. The Tower of Babel, verse one, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. You hear that? The whole earth—that's how it starts. It says the Tower of Babel. The first thing it says is, "And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech." That's a new world order. That—that—that is—if you don't understand what that is, that—that's um—that's what a, a, a world, a one-world government, look like. You understand what I'm trying to say? A one-world government look just like that. One world, one government, one leader. This is what this is what Nimrod did. Now, when you're reading the story, it just sounds like somebody built a tower and they tried to build some tower somewhere. I, no, no, no. This man was the ruler of the entire world at the time. Okay? He managed to somehow, you know what I'm saying, uh, with some powers that he had in him. We'll talk about that too. So we have all the people. Okay? And they were all of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Now, I would just like to note and say that Shinar, if you don't already know, sorry, excuse me, Shinar is um, in the area of, um, what would you call that? The Mesopotamia area that I referred to before, which is the Fertile Crescent, okay? And that's where Babylon was. That's also, they say, in the area where the, the Garden of Eden was at, somewhere around there as well. But they said to one another, go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And then they brick for stone and slime. They had for mortar. And they said, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now. And that's what ended up happening to them. That's the funny thing about it. They thought they were going to be able to control this. They said, as the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men were building, the Lord said, behold, the people is one. One world, one government, one leader, one, 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 one accord. You don't even see that today. you never seen it again. Okay? And they're trying to do that so much. They were so close then. That's why I'm trying to help you understand that they've been building ever since that time to slowly but surely get back to that. God has scattered us so much since that time. Now, they said the Lord came down and he said, um, all the people was one and they have all one language and this they will begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Okay. Now, could you imagine if all the world got together and agreed on any one thing at all? Uh, child hunger, uh, pedophilia, I don't care, massive mass shootings, um, drug epidemics, Let's see, the elderly issue. You know that if we all got together and got on one page about anything, even overthrowing the governments, we would be so successful. So did they say? United, we stand, divided, we fall, right? So all of the world was united, and there was a great power in that unity because everybody was able to understand one another, everybody was able to work together, and they all had one leader. So it wasn't a bunch of different leaders dividing the people, everybody was one. It's almost, a, it's, it's almost a, you almost wonder how the hell he did it. You understand what I'm saying? And then when it happens the second time again, you're going to wonder, it's almost impossible to believe that somebody would be able to do it. But that's why you know these people were demonic people or had demonic entities or, with, or forces with them at work at play. So now I just read that part and that was from Genesis. And it says, um, the Lord said, um, go to, let us go down. Therefore, confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of the city called Babel or Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them upon the face of the earth. Now, I want to, I always talk about the, the the Tower of Babel, because I try to do some research on it, because, you know, they say science proof. Some, sometimes they say science, the Bible don't go hand in hand, but I'm like, God is science, God is electricity, God is math, God is everything, those old the fact that science or man happened to find out something, you know what I mean, doesn't mean necessarily take it away from God. He's all-knowing. He's been here since the beginning. But if you, wanted, if you ever wanted to try to disprove that story, even if you're listening to me now and you're like a bullsh, you know, you don't believe me. Just look up what they call Pangea. Let me see if I can even do that while I'm talking to you right now. But if you're familiar with the term or the geographical term, Pangea. Then you know P A N G A E. I think it is. It could even be G E A. Yeah, it's actually it's P A N G A E A. And it says um, Pangea or Pangea, was a supercontinent that existed in the late Paleozoic and Mesozoic er- eras. Now, if you look at a picture of Pangaea. Long story short, and and, and without all those big fancy words, what it's basically saying is all the continents of the world at one time were all joined as one, okay? That's what people don't seem to understand. Every single continent was not as spaced out as it was. It was all together at one time. It was called Pangea. Look it up. Google it. They'll show you a picture of it. You could even go straight to Google Images. It'll show it to you. And afterwards, um, something happened. I mean, if you go to science, they're not going to say, well, God scattered everybody around, right? Something happened, and then all of them started to shift off and break off. And then you got the seven continents. And every little island you have that you see that you call, whether it's a Caribbean island or an island off the coast of Iceland or wherever you're going, just any little Hawaii, any little thing. All that really is is like little fragments of um, pieces that ended up forming into land, and I think Hawaii alone is probably like one of the few islands that's like it was literally made by I think volcanoes that erupted and then the lava did something weird or whatever. But check that out, you know what I mean. So whenever when I found that out, I'm like, well, that's kind of crazy to know that the that that really was like that like one time in the world and then it kind of like spaced out like that. You could say it was cause of the earthquake. You could say the place shifted. You could say it was God, cause God's the one that controls everything. He could make the place shifts. Either way, it was one way, one way. Everybody, so it was not. It's not impossible. It's not, bas- basically, even science is saying that would have never been impossible for all the people of the world to kind of been all in one area at one point at some time. Whether they call it the melioprosic or the polo, it don't matter what they call it, it's already there in science that something like that kind of did take place where, like, people were all pretty much one continent altogether. So, again, we're talking about Nimrod in the form of um, the Antichrist who could be potentially returning. I'm going to take a break, though, and I'm going to come back. And I'm also going to try to find this... Um, some of this information on Enoch with the book, because I know the book is here. But when I come back, I'm going to continue more with um, Nimrod, but this time from other from other sources. See you after the break. Peace and blessings, family. We're back. Um, yeah, so while we're on the subject of Nimrod and Ur... Um, for the black Egyptians that might be listening, and I hope you are listening, I just wanted to mention that um, what word Ur was, because remember, we're talking about Ur, we're talking about Shinar, we're talking about Babylon, and we're talking about Mesopotamia, which is all in the Fertile Crescent, which is all, I believe, modern-day Iraq today, okay? Near the Euphrates um, River. And, um, so there, right now we're going to talk about um, Ur of the Chaldees in Sumer, which was a Sumerian city, but it was Ur of the Chaldees, and it was in southern Mesopotamia. Some people say it was in northern Mesopotamia. It doesn't matter. But the Sumerian Ur was one of the most spectacular cities of the ancient world and one of the most advanced. So Abraham, Father Abraham, had this was where God said, you know, get up out of the land of Ur and I will call you out to a city, where, you know, with milk and honey and, you know, we'll just come and follow me. And on his faith and promise of God, he did that. But you have to understand, Ur was also a very pagan city. It was very much... um. Like, even though they were advanced, they were they were not of light. They did not worship the true God, which is why out of all the people in Ur and in the Sumerian cities, it was Abraham that he brought up out of there. Now, Ur, again, was one of the most significant and prosperous cities of his time. It was located near the Euphrates and the Persian Gulf. And, um. again, in Scripture it's mentioned about Abraham leaving it to go to his promised land. So what they found... Through architectural digging in old sites of Sumer and Ur and Urak and all the other places that he erected. This is um, the Babylonian king and emperor, the first one, Nimrod, who wore golden helmets and daggers, drinking cups. um, They were like kings who were buried with entire servants and very similar to the Egyptian stuff. Numerous clay tablets, cylinder steels, statues, instruments headdresses, jewelries of um, queens, and of course they found like ziggurats. Okay, so ziggurats were sometimes as high as 70 feet and they were pyramid-shaped. Okay, and they were like step-like stages, kind of. And the Sumerian city had one of the most advanced cultures in the ancient world. So I'm saying all that for anybody who just is interested in Black Egyptian or Black Egyptian nonsense to just know that this Civilization predates the Egyptians, okay? Mesopotamia, even if you don't believe in the children of Israel, which later on comes through Father Abraham. As you can see, Abraham was from one of the Sumerian cities, which was in a Mesopotamian area, which I will, I clearly just said was pagan. This is why God called him out of there, because out of all of the people there, he's saying that, that man, Abraham, that boy, or Abram, was good. And um, believed on him. Okay, so he went to save him. He said, come up out of this demonic city and come up out of there. But they were super smart. Their smarts came from some kind of wicked knowledge, which, again, I'm going to talk about the book of Enoch, where all that wicked knowledge came from. And then later on, even in Genesis, you'll see that Abraham, through a famine, went through Egypt once. And then, I believe, later on, Isaac went. And then, of course, we have Joseph that got sold into slavery by his brothers to end up being an, an, an Egyptian slave. And then, of course, by that time, we had him in another family to save his entire family. Not only that, but all the 12 tribes of Israel and have them all come over to live in Egypt. And then we find another 100 or so years after that, after Joseph died, what happened? The children of Israel got enslaved by the Egyptians, right? But anybody will tell you when Abraham went over there, to um for the famine and he was with the king and he had Sarah with him and he had this had Sarah's beauty and he lied and he said that Sarah was his sister. Anybody will tell you that um the kings and them were very impressed at his knowledge. They were very impressed at the things that he knew. He was very skilled in mathematics and they sat down and now that they respected him and there was a bond. It seemed like every time our people went into Egypt, black Egyptians, every time the children of Israel or the Hebrew Israelites went up into Israel for whatever, even Isaac for the famine, and later on Joseph even Joseph got taken out of jail to go sit on top next to um the king of of Egypt at the time because of his dreams he was a dream interpreter and he interpreted the the king's dreams about a famine coming and they put him head of something you know, so the point is, every time we went up into Egypt, we always had a knowledge up about us that the Egyptians was jacking, so to speak, excuse my language, but you know, that they were just feeling that they wanted some of and admired and respected us is when those leaders died and other leaders came in, they didn't respect us. It's like they lost who we was, but God would always send something back. So the children of Israel, okay, as far as the black Egyptians and the black children of Israel, whatever, they have a clear history of going back and forth in history. So, so to say that you was here before this person and they was there before that person is just complete nonsense. But that's not what we're talking about today. I just have to throw that in there because um, we're already on the subject. Why not? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I wanted to talk about um, Nimrod and some other stuff. So got too much stuff on Nimrod because in the Bible it's very vague. All it just says, like, for instance, it just says um, that Nimrod... Was a mighty hunter before the Lord. We, we, I mean, I think we all pretty much know that he was, um, or, oh, oh, or, or special. So he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Okay. Where it was said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, why did the Lord take a so special notice of this mighty hunter? Was it because Nimrod hunted and killed many animals? No. Not at all. The word mighty in Genesis, um, chapter 10, verse eight through nine can be translated from Hebrew as a tyrant. Okay. Um, now from the Strong's concordance or the Hebrew dictionary, um, the fact that they put before as in before the Lord Strong says in the Hebrew, um, it would mean to say against, um, that turns against the Lord in anger of the Lord, in battle of the Lord, in forefront of the Lord, impudent of the Lord, untoward the Lord, upside down towards the Lord. This basically would indicate something more than um, Nimrod being a skillful hunter of animals. Rather, pretty much, it would just say that he was a blatant, rebellious, obstinate force against God himself, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, I, and Jacob. You know, basically, that like he basically waged battle against God for the loyalty of men. Basically, he told people, worship me and and, and bow down to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm gonna get to you with this Antichrist and this Nimrod returns and this second New World Order. We, we're gonna get there. You just, gotta, you just gotta, let me build up because it's a lot. And I've never done this before. you raised a battle against God for loyalty over men. So pretty much it's like, um, bow down and worship me. This is the same thing that's gonna happen with the New World Order. If you don't, Even if you don't believe what I'm saying and you're a Bible reader, you know even if you don't believe in the Bible, you think it's just a story, and you love it, like a good story, kind of like um, Lord of the Rings or something. And you write it, and you know that what it's about. Just like, you know, the Titanic sinks. You know, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be this big all-out battle, right? It started with a war in heaven, and it's going to end with a war here on earth, okay? It's all about a war and a fight. This whole thing it has, not, it has nothing to do with us. We're all being caught up in the middle. But, you know, when you have, when you have, um, what, this is get back to this. He waged battle against God. That's what people are doing today. Once you're saying, you know, to love this world is to hate God. The Bible is very clear about that. And he waged battle against God for loyalty to men. So he rebelliously stood before the Lord with the same Luciferian doctrine that most people are following today for a lust of power um, or a lust of fame, a lust of fortune, a lust of popularity. Basically, it's a spirit of enslavement. Okay. And um, that was Nimrod. So I need us to go to Jasher now. I would like to go to the book of Jasher and read some very interesting things that's in there. Now, I mentioned or referred to the book of Jasher before in um, the previous episodes. I believe the first or the second one. And I referenced that you can find the book of Jasher being referenced in the book Joshua um, 10 and 13. Okay, and also in Second Samuel 1 and 18. And I also said that these books were removed. And I also showed you scriptures in the book in Revelation that says that none of these books should have ever been touched at all. And I also told you that there was a council in Nicaea under Emperor Constantine where it was debated for days and nights. Like they were crazy, psychopathic, satanic beings that they were. Mostly on the deity of Jesus Christ and what they wanted people to know and not to know. And they took out one of these books. But the Most High is amazing. And he always, there's nothing that they can't do that's not going to in the dark, that's not going to come to the light. And he left us clues. And one of the clues he left us was they, they didn't, because they, they're not average Bible readers, they can never take out pieces without taking it all out. There's always a little bit left over. So the little bit left over was a clue in these two scriptures. And so people went looking for copies. And so in here, it goes into a lot of stuff that's missing from the Old Testament that I always felt was choppy, like bigger pieces of it. And I'm going to share with you um, the Tower of Babel according to the book of Jasher, the ancient book of Jasher. And they're going to talk about it according to Josephus as well. So the Tower of Babel, it says, and Abram was in Noah's house, 39 years, and Abram knew the Lord from three years old. See, this book also goes back and tells you more of the life of Abram as well. That's why I love books like this. That's why you can't listen to what people tell you all the time. It said, he went in the way of the Lord until the day of his death. And as Noah Noah and his son Shem had taught him, and all the sons of the earth in those days greatly transgressed against the Lord, and they rebelled against him, and they served other gods, and they forgot the Lord who had created them in the earth. Does that sound familiar to us? Does that not sound like what's going on today? And the inhabitants of the earth made unto themselves at that time every man his god, little g, gods, little g of wood and stone which could neither speak hear nor deliver and the sons of men served them and they became their gods and the king of and the king and all his servants and terah now when they say the king they're talking about nimrod okay and when they say Terra, they're talking about abram's father because remember this is a family line and the king Nimrod and all his servants and Terah with his household were then the first of those that served the gods of wood and stone. Did you see? Did you hear that? The king, which is Nimrod and all his servants and Terah, which was Abraham's father. I told you that land was pagan. I just told you that that was pagan as hell. This is where they are at. It's, excuse my language. This is where they are right now. They are still under Thames, in his reign, in his empire, where his kingdom was in, in, the, in the land of Ur, in the Babylonian, Sumerian cities. They were the first that served gods. Little g of wood and stone. And Terah had 12 gods. That's Abram's father. Why do you think God said, get up out of there? And black Egyptians talking about they was first. But I'm just saying, why do you think God said, get up out of the land of Ur? Because some people are like, well, the God going to tell you to leave your mother and your father and all that. And you'll, you'll know when you read the book that eventually Terah was swayed by his son to leave those false gods behind and to follow his son. So it didn't end up being that he left completely his father behind. It just ended up being that. And he took a lot with him, too, his brother's um, son and all that. So the long story short is Terah had 12 gods of large size made of wood and stone after the 12 months of the year. And he served each one monthly. And every month, Terah would bring his meat offering and drink offering to his gods. Little G. Thus did Terah all his days. And all that generation were wicked in the sight of the Lord. All of Mesopotamia, Ur of the Chaldees, Urak, and all these other buildings, wherever the heck, cities that was built up after the flood, which the whole king of the whole entire world was Nimrod. He caused this spirit on the people. And it says, all that generation was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And they thus made every man his God, but they forsook the Lord who had created them. And there was not a man found in those days. Did you hear what I said? Now Then you understand why Abraham was so special out of that land. Why God chose him. And there was not a man found in those days in the whole earth who knew the Lord. For they served each man his own God except Noah Noah and his household and all those who were under his counsel knew the Lord in those days and Abraham the son of Terah which I keep with the Bible says the same thing Abraham was a, Abram Abram he's not Abraham yet Abram the son of Terah was waxing great in those days in the house of Noah and no and no man knew it and the Lord was with him so they say meanwhile while all this was happening. It said, meanwhile, while all this was happening, Noah, all the whole earth, the whole earth is under the reign of this man. Okay? This is post-flood. Don't think, don't think that just because they said Noah was the only one doing right that this is pre-flood. This is post-flood. Noah know better now because it saved him before the flood. It got him through the flood. And after the flood, he wanted to make sure to do the same thing so nothing like that would happen again. He know now. He know better. And I told you, in those years, it was even three and 400 years old. And I also told you on the previous episode that they had to hide Abram for a long time because his own uncle or whoever, Nimrod, because it's all family at this point, wanted to kill him because they had saw in the stars of the night sky, his magician, Soothsayers, that if Abram be born, that he would come. Th- now, why would Nimrod, now now, now I told you, this, this is crazy. I just thought about this. Nimrod, who I just said is the spirit, of the Antichrist, who is going, who has, who will be returning to crush and finish it. It says it right in the Bible. He's in, he's in, he's in Babylon. And then we're going to talk about how his names have changed throughout the years and how they keep reincarnating, keep bringing them back. They keep conjuring them up. All right. If you either believe or you don't believe, that's your business. But at the same time, this is what we're talking about today. So I just came across. Yeah, I was, I was just saying something and I lost it that quick. Anyway, maybe the Lord don't want me to say it. Oh, yeah, like I was saying, I told you all that um, Noah's house was, so it says Noah's house was the only one that was pretty much under God and doing what he was supposed to do under God. So it is no wonder that God, who before before Abram was born, it was already prophesied what it was going to be on his life. It's no wonder that when they hid him, the best place to hide him at, after I think they did, I'm not going to lie, Joshua says they hid him in a cave for 10 years, they had to. After 10 years old, they brought him to Noah's house. But he knew the Lord from three years old, and then, and then from ten years old on, he was up under um, Noah's house with Shem. And you gotta remember, from Shem comes the, what you call Semitic people. Okay, so from so for, for, so you know Noah and Shem. With Shem, there's the rumors that he was also the Melchizedek, the high priest and king that met that met Abraham back on the road. Remember, after he went and got um, and, and and got the people. Um from the armies and all that stuff back, and you try to give them the tithes, and it wasn't working, or whatever, so yeah, basically what I'm saying here is uh there's no wonder that Abraham thanked God since he was under a um noah's um upbringing and Shem's upbringing. That's the only reason why he was in the light of God. Like it says, anybody who was in Noah's house during those days before and after the flood was the only ones in the entire earth who was obeying the Lord. Okay. They said, and the Lord gave Abram an understanding heart and he knew all the works of that generation were vain. It's just like this generation here. It's just like this one here. It's just, this is why it's the spirit is back of Nimrod. It's the same thing. It's the same script, different cast. only thing that's not different is Nimrod he come back under different names. When he come back, he's going to come back as a world leader, the Antichrist. So Antichrist is going to come back with no horns and a damn tail and all of that and a pitchfork and, and spew and fire out of his mouth. He's going to come as a world leader, a terrible world leader. So basically, the Lord gives him understanding And he saw that all their gods, Abraham, saw that all their gods, little G, were vain and were of no avail. And Abram saw the sun shining upon the earth. And Abram said unto himself, Surely now this sun that shines upon the earth is God, and him will I serve. So now he starts to get this curiosity. I mentioned this curiosity before. And then it said that um, Abram served the sun in that day and prayed to him. And then when the evening came, the sun set as usual. And Abram said with himself, Surely this cannot be God. And I was telling you that he would go back and forth. He was the first one in that land other than, except for being in the Noah's house, but from Ur to actually say, well, maybe these 12 statues aren't God. Maybe these things that don't breathe aren't God. Everybody's going all these different, but it's just like today, there's 20, there's how many different religions, how many different gods? What he started to say was what most people are trying to say today. If I do care about salvation in a soul or something, which way do I go? And he started to ask these little questions by looking at the sun and it said, it said that he continued to speak within himself, who is he? Who is he that made the heavens and the earth? Who was he that created us upon the earth? Where is he? These are the questions that I have for myself when I'm going to run into the church on my own. You understand? And that's why I say, like, if you ever feel that much of it and you really want to know, and you really, really want to know, and there's something like burning inside you to know, you're going to find the truth after a while. Actually, if you're listening to me, you know, I don't think that that's really an accident. Now, it says here, That he saw the stars and the moon and all of that. And, um, yeah. So, anyway, finally he said unto himself, surely these are not gods that made the earth and all of mankind, but these are servants of God. And Abram, talking about the sun and the moon and the stars. And Abram remained in the house of Noah, and there knew the Lord and his ways, and he served the Lord all the days of his life. And all that generation forgot the Lord and served other gods of wood and stone and rebelled all their days. You see, I say rebelled. You see, I keep saying rebelled. I would talk about Nimrod. And listen now, look at what it say. This is, um, it says, and King Nimrod reigned securely in all the earth. And all the earth, I'll say it again, and all. The earth was under his control. This is a one world government with a one leader. One, one. All the earth. And in, in the entire Bible, you will never see this again. In the entire history of the world, you have never seen this. Okay, but you will soon. We're getting there. We're getting there. You keep hearing about it. You don't want to believe it. But I'm telling you now, it's been in your book. This is, not, this is only new to those who don't know. You understand? This is not new, though. This been going on forever. It's not. It's a process to get the entire world to be exactly where it was, um, before uh, the Pangea state, like I mentioned before. Um, let's see. So I just wanted to say that. So it says, and the and King Nimrod reigned securely, and all the earth was under his control, and all the earth was of one tongue and words of union, and all the princes of Nimrod. And his great men took counsel together. It says, foot, Mizraim, Cush, and Canaan with their families. This is all family. And they said to each other, come, let us build ourselves a city in it and a strong tower. Did you hear that? Foot, Mizraim, Cush, and Canaan. And Mizraim later becomes Egypt. I will right, we'll talk about that in another in another episode. And we'll make ourselves famed. So that we may reign upon the whole world, in order that the evil of our enemies may cause us to cease. Okay. And and then they said, and that um, we may not become scattered over the earth. You see how funny it is that they, that was one of their biggest fears. I mentioned that in Genesis 2. They kept saying that they didn't. One of the last things they kept saying is that we could be on top and we could be big and all of this stuff, but at the same time, we don't want to be scattered all over the earth. Okay. And then they went before the king. They told the king what happened. The king, which is Nimrod, agreed, and they did so. Okay, and it says, and the families assembled consisting of 600,000 men. Because of course, he had the whole world together. And they went to seek an extensive piece of ground to build the city and the tower. And they sought in the whole earth and they found none like one valley at the east of the land of Shinar. Shinar, again, is in um, Mesopotamia, Babylonia, Ur modern-day Iraq, about a 2 days walk, and they journeyed there and dwelt there. And they began to make bricks and burn fires to build the city and the towers that they had imagined to complete. And the building of the tower was unto them a transgression and a sin, and they began to build it. And whilst they were building against the Lord God of heaven, you hear that? While they're doing it, it's already a sign. It's a transgression and a sin that what they're building. And they began to build it anyway and were building against the Lord God. Read, this is rebellion. They imagine in their hearts to war against him and to ascend into heaven. This is what's going on today. You know, and it goes on. I could read on and on. I'm going to read. And then, you know, we know the same thing. I'm going to keep going. So I have so much more to read on them, It's not even funny because we have to understand who we're dealing with. And like I said, Genesis is just very vague about it. They wouldn't even say that. They say all the world was in one speech, but I like when Joshua just breaks it down. And I told you this, Joshua is translated to the book of the upright, the book of the righteous, or the book of accurate events. So it says, the Lord knew their thoughts and it came to pass when they were building, they cast the arrows towards the heavens and all the arrows fell F- fell towards them with blood on them and when they saw them they said to each other surely we have slain all that were in heaven for this was from the Lord in order to cause them to err and in order to destroy them from off the face of the ground and they built up the tower and the city and they did this thing daily until many days and years were elapsed so when they threw up the, the God has a sense of humor they threw up uh, arrows and um, God sent them back to them with blood making them think that they, he really killed everybody up there So he let them build for more years thinking that they really killed somebody that was up there. And then um, there were 70 angels who stood there with God. And he said, "Um, let us go down and confuse their tongues so that one man shall not understand language of his neighbor. And they did so unto them. And from that day following, they forgot each man his neighbor's tongue. And they could not understand to speak in one language. And when the builder took from the hands of his builder limestone which he did um not order, the builder could cast it away. Basically they well, they couldn't even continue building anymore because they couldn't even speak the same language to understand. And again, Shiner is in the land of Sumer. Okay, so this is um Jasher. I'm done with Jasher as far as Nimrod. But I just wanted you to see just how much um to expand this new world order theory. This is in the ancient book of Jasher. I'm just gonna say it's in page twenty. It's on page twenty in the book of Jasher. And it starts at um one, 1988 a.m. because they don't have chapter. Oh, actually, it's chapter 9. So I'll say chapter 9, verse 6. It says, Abram and the Tower of Babel. And um, that's where we got Nimrod. So I'm going to, um let me see. Am I going to take a breaky-breaky? I'm going to take a break, but you know what I think I might, I'm thinking about, I'm just going to come back with a part two, because this is so much, but I think I'm going to take a break, or come back with a part two. All right, take a break for now. Okay, so I decided to go on with as much as part one as I can, because, um... Really important to me that I don't just rush things and get it through. So okay, we were talking about Nimrod. We're talking about um, him being the first ever New World Order. I mean, the only person who has ever was had like obviously you guys. Yeshua, who was the king of kings and the lord of lords, don't get it twisted, but I'm talking about on the face of this earth, like the only leader who's ever existed, who was the empire of the entire world, not just his kingdom, not but like the entire world and had all the world in his subjection and all the world, even his own family members, you know, like even Abraham's father, because Abraham, if you want to look at Nimrod in relation to Abraham, you could say it was like a long, it was like a, a older cousin or older uncle, so to speak, like a long distance relative, whatever, but it was still the relative relative. Which further proves the point that um it was a pagan society that rebelled against God. All the most of the earlier ones, and why Abraham is so important or so significant. Like I mentioned in previous episodes, I'm always gonna always gonna go back to him because it all goes. It all started with him, and this is the story with them. So, was Nimrod good or evil? Um, well, again, we said that Nimrod is from the Hebrew verb "marad," which means to rebel or or the rebel the the rebel. Okay. Now. I have one more thing I wanted to read about him, and that was in Josephus. Josephus, the works are the complete and unabridged um, Antiquities. I have I have a couple things in this book actually. I think it's like the Antiquities of the Jews, the Antiquities of the Jews, the Wars of the Jews, and that's it. So, Josephus Antiquities, though, in Book One, Chapter Four. Concerning the Tower of Babylon, <laughs> that's what it says. Not the Tower of Babel. See, this is why it's, it's, it's this, this is why I like to read different parts. This is why when you study, you research, you bring different books. And now I'm showing you from just is a well-known Jewish historian. Okay, very credible. Now some would say he isn't, but some would say he, it all depends on who you listening to. But Josephus is the guy, and he literally titles the chapter concerning the tower of Babylon and the confusion of tongues. So he says, now the sons of Noah were three, Shem, Japheth, and Ham, born 100 years before the deluge or the flood. The first of all descended from the mountains into the plains and fixed their habitations there and persuaded others who were greatly afraid of the lower grounds on account of the floods. So they were very loath to come down from the higher places. Okay. So obviously when the boat settled, it settled on the place up high because the waters took a very long time to recede. And then the people, whoever was with them, like the family members, because it was just the eight of them. It was, um, I believe Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives. And then the, two, the animals, two of each kind or whatever. I think by the sevens or something. But they were afraid to come down. Everybody was still traumatized. So it says, now the plane in which they first dwelt. See, this is, I'm going to. That's why I like to do the studies. Now the plane, the plane, in which they first dwelt, was called Shinar, and I keep saying that Shinar is Mesopotamia, is Ur, is the Sumerian states, is the modern day Iraq, is in that area. So the plane which they first dwelt was called Shinar. God also commanded them to send colonize, um, to send colonies abroad, for the thorough peopling or repopulation of the earth. That they might not raise seditions among themselves, but might cultivate a great part of the earth and enjoy its fruits in a plentiful manner. But they were so ill instructed that they did not obey God, for which reason they fell into calamities. Rebellion, 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 rebellion. Okay. so the point was that God said to spread about, you know, uh, see the colonies up, you know, don't just do it amongst yourselves in this cluttered fashion, but get out there, cultivate a great part of the earth, enjoy the fruits and benefits in a plentiful manner. But they did not obey God, and they fell into calamities. This is what happens every time. And they were made sensible, they said they were made sensible by experience of what sin they had been guilty. OK? So God told them again to send out colonies, but they, imagining the prosperity they enjoyed was not derived from the favor of God, see, but supposing that their own power, yeah, like today, was the proper cause of the plentiful condition they were in. They did not obey him. Basically, they didn't, they didn't, like today, give him thanks for any of the good things that clearly it was his doing that they had them. They took credit for that by themselves. Okay. And then not only did they do that, when he kept asking them to do something, they didn't take their threats seriously because as far as they're concerned, they're still suffering. They were suffering. That God complex, y'all got to stop it. I mean, I'm praying for some people. I'm praying for a lot of people. I know some people out here now, my friends. It's not good. I mean, you know, it's really, it's really, it's uh, it's sad too because if you really were such of a godly person, why aren't you rich and get where you got to go yet? You still on this journey trying to find your way back to being a God. That makes no sense. That don't even make no sense. I wouldn't even want to follow a God that that, that don't even know what the hell they're doing or where the hell they had or where their powers is. Like please. Nay, they added to this their disobedience and to the divine will, the suspicion that they had um therefore ordered to send out separate colonies. Now, two, I want this is when we come with Nimrod in verse um thirteen. And I always put in parentheses, this is the first new world order, and this is Josephus talking about it. We're gonna read a couple of scriptures here, and then this is the last that I have as far as like the books that I own with Nimrod stuff. And I'm sure there's more someplace else. But again, it's, I have more to get on to. We, we still haven't even hit the end Christ. We haven't hit Revelation or anything like that. So, it so now it was Nimrod. Now it was Nimrod. Now it was Nimrod who excited them to such an affront and, uh, and contempt of God. He was the grandson of Ham, the son of Noah, a bold man and of great strength of hand. He persuaded them not to ascribe it to God as if it was through his means that they were happy, but instead to believe that it was their own courage which produced and procured that happiness. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny. See, see, now, tyranny. Didn't you see how it says, see, it's a tyranny, right? And what did we say before? That his... um name or something before we, we translated something in his name to mean tyranny or tyrant or something like that seeing no other way oh mighty hunter remember we said what well, was a mighty hunter before the lord and we went to Strong's concordance and we found out that um, it's mighty turned into tyrant seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of god to bring them into a constant dependence on his power he said he would be revenged on god if he should have the mind to throw if he should have the mind to drown the world again for that he would build a tower too high for the waters to be able to reach and that he would avenge himself on god for destroying their forefathers now do you hear the blasphemousness that would come out of his mouth if you think about the governments and the leaders of the world today, and even the people who are satanists, and they are into the cult symbolism and these modern-day witches and whatever else and warlocks and all this stuff, and, and they come from all nationalities of the world. It's not just this race of people or that race of people. It's just been going on since the beginning of the time. I don't know, not one person, white, dark, whatever, they don't have a, a culture or society, or they have they have a corner of their, you know... um, culture that doesn't dabble in it, even white people, right? you know what I'm saying, I'm Caucasian people, okay? Now, I'm not saying you have to believe in it, I'm just saying it happens, and then you sell, they sell the occult on TV, they're, they're do, redoing Charmed, you know, um, when, when you're younger, there are shows like Bewitched, there's always something on TV to keep you, like, fascinated with the occult, so you might want to, you know, dabble, and maybe there's always a new generation of witches coming up, whether they're, um, legacy based witches, or they just learn because they just watched like, The Craft, that movie, The Craft was out when I was younger, there's always gonna be something out there like that, so, I just wanted to point out that um, before we go on, it says that he gradually changed. He gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way to turn men from the fear of God. But remember, I said now, how is it that you could get one person the whole world? One person you had to have to damn near beat. Excuse my language, but beat them into submission. You had to become a tyrant. You had to damn near bully and bust them and, and, and be mean to them. This is a bully, you know, a rebellious person, you know, and 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 not only that. He said that some people had to get beaten and straight into leaving God to come to them. Now, what do you think the New World Order is going to do? What do you think is going to happen when the New World Order come in? What do you think is going to happen when the New World Order come in? When the New World Order comes in, right, it's going to be people. And I'm going to read all of this in Revelation. That's why I said the last part of the thing I'm going to do is just going to go straight to Revelation. What's going to happen is you're going to have them coming in. And with the mark of the beast and all this stuff, you can't buy, you can't sell. As you can see, the chug knowledge is already changing. The be mark of the beast. First of all, from what I've seen, and I'm gonna to go to Revelation real quick. Everybody says it's just a mark. It's not just a mark. Let me go down to where I was, where I saw this. In um, Revelation, why do I have nose all over Revelation? <laughs> and and stickies and uh, maybe it's up here. No, well, I had it somewhere here that I wrote down that um when he when he it's not just the sign. Oh, here it is. Six 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 is not just a mark. So they said, I'll just read the scripture all together. It says, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number. So it's either three things you're gonna have. You need to have. You're either gonna have the to have the mark. OK, the mark, Save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So you're going to have the mark of the beast, the name of the beast on you or the number of his name. So it's three different things, all three different things, all equal to you being marked or, you, or you're being thing by him. Marked name and um, a number of his name. But I got to move on because I didn't get to the clone and stuff. Yeah, I want to get to the clone and stuff, but I just wanted to stress that. I don't think there's anything else that I want to read too much from Dasher about Nimrod. Um, I, I mean, that wasn't Joshua, it was Josephus, but I might too because Josephus always breaks things down a little bit more clearer. So... Yeah so then it just says that the uh, the multitude were very ready to follow the determination of Nimrod and to esteem it a piece of cowardice to submit to God and they built a tower neither sparing any pains nor being in any degree negligent about the work and by reason of the multitude of hands employed in it employed in it it grew very high sooner than anyone could expect but the thickness of it was so great. This is a tower. And it was so strongly built that thereby its great high seems upon view to be less than it really was. Okay, now before I continue with that, I want to go back into how it said that the reason why he was going to avenge himself. He said that he told the people of the world that um, he wanted them to have a continent dependence on him with a one world leader. Okay, don't this is what the Antichrist is going to do. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He already had the Antichrist spirit in him. They're bringing him back. And I don't mean it like somebody who's like him. I mean, he is going to come back. We're going to talk about that in the last segment or maybe in part two. I think I'm going to talk about it in part two. Seeing no other way of turning men from fear of God. He said he would be revenge on God. He was mad at God. He said God should have never flooded the world. And should God have a mind to drown the world again, you know what I'm saying? He would build a tower too high. For the water this is all rebellion. Like you're not gonna do this again. Who do you think you are? If I can get up there, you know what I'm saying? This person is against God. Now you only saw a rebel, a level of rebellion this big, I'm sorry, when it was Lucifer who fell. Okay, with well, his one third. So that was the only one that you saw this 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 vulgar about it. I mean, people could have just been on the earth, you know, doing whatever. But this guy, you know, there's the only one that assembled the whole world and whatever to get together and do whatever. And it seems to be working and they got close enough. They want to be like Nimrod. They want to build Nimrod back. Okay. This New World Order stuff is very serious for them. You're looking at United Nations every day. They're trying to get closer and closer to it. Europe don't even have one. It's going to have one world currency. You're going to see it. I hope I'm not here for that. You know, I hope the Lord, the Lord calls me home before all this transpires. But that's what's going to happen. So anyway, it says that... um. It was built to burnt brick cement together with multar made of bitumen that it might not be liable to admit water. So now they made it waterproof. When God saw that they acted so madly, he did not resolve to destroy them utterly since they were not growing wiser by the destruction of the former sinners. But he caused a tumult among them by producing in them diverse languages and causing that the multitude of those languages that they should not be able to understand one another the place wherein they built the tower is now called babylon because of the confusion of that language which they re- which they readily understood before for the hebrews mean by the word Babel, confusion The Sibyl also makes mention of this tower and of the confusion of the language when she says thus, okay, when all men were of one language, some of them built a high tower as if they would thereby ascend to heaven, but the gods sent storms and wind over through the tower. And gave everyone this peculiar language. And for this reason it was that the city was called Babylon. So the Bible even lied to you a little bit. Because they know it's Babel. But in Josephus it seems that they already knew it was Babylon. It was called Babylon. The tower area was called Babylon. Babylon is here United States. Already all, all over again. But as to the, plains, to the plain of Shinar in the country of Babylonia. You see it's right here in Josephus. So that's why I say what I want to say. But the reason why I, I, these... Studies or these um, episodes will be so extensive is because I'm gonna pull out the books. I'm not gonna say, well, this was this was this was this because this this, everybody's gonna be like, where are you getting it from? This is Josephus, Antiquities of the Jews, chapter one, book one, chapter four. This is just as, all of this is I'm reading straight chapter four because that's all it is, and then it goes into chapter five, which is something else. Babylon, that's what they called it. And they said, in in um, for the and for this reason, it was that the city was called Babylon. But as to the plain of Shinar, as to the plain of Shinar in the country of Babylon, he he has T-A-E-S mentions in it when he says, such of the priests as were saved took the sacred vessels of Jupiter and Elias and came to Shinar of Babylonia. So I told you, I showed you about three places about um. Nimrod we're done with Nimrod as far as like the brief background but we understand now and not just going off of the um genesis or whatever but through historians Jewish historians um the ancient book of Jasher that was in the book was written by the Bible and taken out and we've also looked at um that Okay, so when I come back now, and I think I'm going to do it for part two. I'm going to be honest, but I I think I'm going to add it to this one, I'm not sure. I'm going to come back and talk about um, the Antichrist um, revelations in Revelations and why the Antichrist or the Antichrist who will come, there are symbols all over that it will be somebody who once lived, who died, who will come back, um, and also how that's possible and in the scriptures that say so. So hang in there. Stay tuned, and thank you for tuning in for another episode. God bless y'all. Thank you.